Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and I'm here with Dr. Jay Jones, and this is Free For All Friday. Good morning. Got a little uh, <clears throat> little surprise here, Yeah, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't brought by me. I forgot your surprise, George. I'm sorry. I know people were coming back. They came back just to just see for that. what your surprise was. Why am I so red? Look at <laughs> I don't know. Larry's out today, so we don't know how to run this equipment. So I'll just be red today because we're not tinkering with it. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Just red. Looks like I uh, just got back from the beach. George, we have here Oklahoma cream soda. My dad brought it in. I don't know what I don't know where it came from. Where'd you find this at? Crest Grocery Store in Norman, Oklahoma. Mm. Is this that liberal cream soda? Came from Norman. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna try it. I'm have. more interested in this. <laughs> you also brought this thing in, Dad. Yeah. What is this? This looks like it is a copper spoon or something. It is indeed. It's a ice cream and shortening scoop that belonged to my mom. She was about 82 when she died. And uh, so it's very old. Uh, for those who don't know what shortening is, a reference to that might be lard. 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 And there is a bottle opener on the other end. Right there. There it is. You may have to manipulate it two or three times to get that lid off. <laughs> Do the other, hey, Dad, do your, bro, your brothers and sisters know that you uh, you came home with this from Virginia? My baby sister might know. Huh. All right, let's give it a try. Hey, first first time. There you go. Got, I, we're collecting bottle caps over here of cream soda on this little table. Oklahoma. Made in Oklahoma. Don't leave Caffeine-free. Made with pure cane sugar. All right. Can it compete? We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to start a wall. Yeah, we should. <laughs> All the bottle caps. Can it compete? Hey, if you're a listener, you know, and you you say I'd like to support the podcast, I just don't have a lot of money. <laughs> what you can do is just go ahead and mail us cream soda. We'll try your cream soda from all over America. Send your best, George. We got to rate this the ten. If we go on the scale, cream soda scale of one to ten, ten is the one from Ace that the, is made with yeah, real the one, honey. The one with real honey was that's the yeah, number ten. Definitely. Let's see where this goes. All right. It's pretty good. It's got a good smell to it. It's got a hint of... <clears throat> it's got a hint of fermentation in here. Did you bring me some fermented cream soda, Dad? Mm. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, 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 wait. It tastes like it's got a little hint of uh, grape or something in there. Do you taste that? You you may have a more refined palate than you've got. You've got some allergy problems <laughs> going yeah. on. Yeah, my allergies are starting to bother me today. That's pretty good, though. It is good. It is pretty good. I think that's their secret ingredient. They put a dash of Welch's grape juice in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Bab this cream soda. Uh, what do you give it? I'd say I'd give it a um, 
It's not. It's not up there with the real 10. honey. Um, I would say it's better than the. Um, it was better than the one that I had from from Atwoods. Um, Atwoods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll give it in maybe like an eight. Okay. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Seven or eight. It's mm-hmm. right in there. Thank you for bringing it yeah. in. That's yeah. good. Well, what do we got today, George? Today is uh, Irresistible Grace. That's where we We've are. Gotta, We're we have Calvinism. to. We have to get to it because I've got 100% people that are uh, there. Hundred percent. They're, get, they're getting, getting restless. They're I know restless. you've got a video for me. Um, we also have one thing. I was like, do we do a whole? We could do a whole episode on, you know, what happened um, just a few days ago with the shooting, mm. yeah. transgenderism. Um, so many people are talking about it, though. It's it's everywhere. It's amazing how much coverage this is getting, but most of the coverage is about the shooter. Right. Yeah. How they're trying to blame they're trying to blame Christians for it. Uh-huh. That's it happened the same day actually. Yeah. 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 Here's the here's what's going on. They the narrative that is spun is is this. Um you Christians that have held to what the Bible teaches for 2000 years mm-hmm. are the actual problem in society. And you are, and 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 society that has has said there's only two right. there's only two genders and it's not fluid and there's there's men and there's women. Well sure, you can go to any part Soci- of the world. Society until the last yeah. 5 years has said the same thing. Yeah, go anywhere in the world, ask them how many genders there are. Mm-hmm. Go to some unreached people group, ask them. They're going to tell you there's two. Yeah. Um yeah, but Christians are the ones mm. who are creating the problem. Imagine how arrogant you have to be to demand that a religion, well, not just 2,000. I mean, we, this goes back way further than that, you know, even before Abraham. Mm. You want to tell us we're bigots and we have to change what we believe. Like, you're incredibly arrogant and stupid and bigoted. You would never do it to Muslims because you're also a coward. Yeah. Because Christians aren't going to come back and start chopping heads off. Right. Go to a a Muslim country and try to push it. See what happens to you. But you won't because you're a coward. What's really sad is the way that they are maligning this uh, this lady's parents and saying they they rejected her lifestyle and it it pushed her to do this when she was 28. And living living at at home. home. And living at home. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. They rejected her, but she still lives at home as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, move out of your house. Get out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. I, I, you know, I love my kids. I'm sure they love their kids, too. They might have loved their kids a little more than I love mine, because when they get 18, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Time to branch out, become your own person. But you can't. I mean, it, it, it's just the thing. They're they're flipping it. They're, they don't do that to anybody else, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's uh, ridiculous. But don't take the bait. That's what I'd say to Christians. Just don't take the bait and retaliate in anger. Yeah. Um, but you can call them out 100%. Call them out on their hypocrisy and their, uh, their absolute Christophobia. Yeah. That's what they have. <laughs> yeah. They hate Christ. Just turn, just turn it around on them. Yep. Yeah. Um, have you been following any of this uh, day of day of vengeance stuff that's been going around? 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen it. The, the trans, trans Day of Vengeance. The Trans Day of Vengeance, yeah. Mm. Good luck with that. Because we're not going to retaliate, yeah. but this is America. Yeah. There are a whole bunch of people in this country that most certainly will. Mm. We won't. Christian, not real Christians. Real Christians are not going to retaliate in violence, uh, and I don't believe that they will. Now, you come in the, shir- in the church, you come in our church, I might shoot you from the pulpit. You come in here brandishing a firearm, like, before you get a shot off, you might you might get smoke. Not just from me, from about 20 other veterans and policemen. Philip has related a story that he uh, of him coming into the office and being afraid that you were going to shoot him. <laughs> well, he snuck up on me. That's a bad idea. You know what I'm saying? How many times have you tried to jump out and scare me at this church? Well, George, but George, <laughs> George, but I know your reaction. I know, I, but I know what you'll do. I'm, I've been walking down the hall, and you. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you know I'm here. That's what makes it better. You know I'm here. Philip came in here somehow. I think he went in the door down the other way where there's no no beeping noise. Yeah. Um, I thought I was here by myself. Yeah. That's the difference. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> if, you see Jay's, if you see Jay's car up here, make sure he knows. <laughs> Announce yourself. <laughs> You've scared me while I've been writing sermon stuff before. <laughs> you'll look back one day, you'll see that streak across your sermon uh-huh. notes, yep. and you'll know that was me, and mm-hmm. you'll remember it. Effect- you'll have a, this fondness yeah. as you remember that sermon you wrote. Mm. Um, we should do a whole episode. It won't be this one. We're going to get to a uh, effectual call because this is, you know, we're doing Tulip. But, you know, I can't even imagine. I was looking at these pictures of this, this church. This So this is like a church school. And it's kind of like, you know, we have mm-hmm. some friends in Kansas City. They had a church. Yeah. It got big enough. And then they started a school in their church. That's what this is. Yeah. This is a church school. Mm-hmm. It would be like if our church, you know, God just like gave us a bunch of people who were blessed with teaching and we had enough resources we started a school here mm. in the church that that's what happened i don't think people really grasped that and uh the pastor's daughter was killed yeah terrible i can't i can't even imagine mm. i can't even imagine what they're going through yeah. and then the the response of people i mean you can just see like how dark and i mean it's demonic mm. it, it is people forget there is a real evil that is behind this. And in many ways, you know, the transgender movement, if you just think about it, how it, it's antichrist in so many ways. Jesus tells you, you know, um, true happiness is found in self-denial. Mm-hmm. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And that's the, 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 that's the narrow road that actually leads to true fulfillment and true happiness and true joy. Transgender movement tells you, accept yourself, and make everyone else accept you. Mm-hmm. That's the key to happiness. And actually, it's the key to brokenness, destruction, pain, and sorrow. Um, so don't back down. Don't be, don't be afraid, because it's, it's a go- this is a gospel issue, and we, we need to make sure that we're speaking about it clearly. Yeah. So there's my uh, little two cents on it, but maybe we'll do more on it later. Okay. There's plenty, I'm sure, if you want more to learn more about it or talk more about it, there's going to be a ton of other podcasts. But we cannot 
keep putting off any longer talking about uh, irresistible grace. Not that we we're putting it off, but stuff keeps coming up. Yeah. What do you have for for me, Giorgio? I know you've been holding something. Well, I don't have a good transition after that, Jay. <laughs> you don't have a good transition? No. <clears throat> well, you you can hold it till next Friday if you want. Um, my allergies are starting to, to act up, Jay. I was mowing the lawn a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I guess it's starting to get to me. So, I don't know where Angela, my dearest Angela, she gave me a great present. What's that? For when I cut the grass, mm-hmm. she got me an N95 mask. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're like, what's that What's that psychopath doing out there with an N95 mask on? Thinking he's going to get COVID by himself. Nah. <laughs> nah. Nah, my friend. This is a life hack. Okay. Protects me from allergies. Worked pretty good last time. You need to get one. You think it's going to protect you from allergies, but you still have to walk around outside in Oklahoma. <clears throat> That's true. It'll get you. It will, yeah. It'll get you. Every time. Today's opening day, Jay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are should, you excited for the baseball season? Is this uh, You usually don't start watching until the playoffs, though, don't you? I don't watch a lot of MLB baseball until the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like to see them not play hard. That's my critique. I understand why they have to do it because they have like 165 games. It's a long season. It's like a marathon. But they played hard at the, uh, the, the, base, the World, World, Baseball, World Classic, Baseball Classic. Man, Classic. you got a you got a Otani burning down the base paths. <clears throat> yeah, you know, uh, Trout legging out a little bloop single into a double, sliding head first. You don't see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the regular season MLB. It comes in the playoffs. Yeah. It's a little. It's weird because Drake's injured, you know. So we're not mm-hmm. in high school baseball right now. You know, I was just up in Oklahoma City with him yesterday because part of his rehab, we got him linked up with a pro catcher, uh, actually an all star, Derek Norris, who was an all star for Oakland Athletics. The facility has physical therapy recovery. So there's a lot of guys in there doing arm recovery. He's in there doing knee recovery. But then he gets to work with this guy. You know, he's got him by himself for a couple hours twice a week. Maybe a hidden blessing. Are you sure you want the negative influence of a Oakland A's player in your son's life? Um, if by negative you mean learning how to be super awesome at baseball, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Is there still a team in Oakland? <laughs> Pretty crazy with the amount of talent that they've had there. Yeah. They've got Sean Murphy now, who's all-star catcher. He'll probably soon go somewhere else. Yeah. They're kind of like the Royals. They're they're like a farm team for other teams. Yeah. So. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, if if anything shows that it's not it's not the these great players that are driving the team to the champions. It's the it's the uh, it's the Angels. Right. <laughs> I mean, you've got two of the best players. Well, what's plagued the Angels is they can put together a good lineup. Um, they're just pitching. They just they just. You cannot win without pitching mm-hmm. at any level. Yeah. You got to have it. It's the most important, really. Yeah. That's why the Braves, remember the Braves, back then you could watch baseball just on TV. I don't even think you can do that now. You probably have subscriptions or something dumb, which probably hurts them. Braves, everybody grew up watching the Braves because of Turner television. Mm. Stacked pitching staff. Legendary. 
Well, they didn't come here to learn about baseball today, though, George, did they? No, I do have a clip for you, though, before we jump in. Okay. A church member sent me this. All right. And I, I laughed out loud when he showed it, when he sent it to me, and uh, I just thought, this is this is podcast level. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's take a gander. So I'm going to click on it. I don't know what it's going to do. It's it's gonna it's a Facebook video. We'll see we'll see if it uh, if it pulls up or not. Okay. I have a problem with parents that say I'm still praying for my kids to come to church. Beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The Bible says spare the rod. You will spoil the child. If you want to spoil your child, spare the rod. There are some demons that do not care. Oh. by a whip. <laughs> Five-fold ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem with that. So this is it. The drop right here. Beat them up. <laughs> All right. All right. I thought you would enjoy that, Jay. Beat, beat them I up. Couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't resist showing that to you. Oh, <sighs> Five-fold ministry. That's funny right there. Now we can segue into... Irresistible, irresistible irresistible grace because <laughs> this is this is um i think that is the caricature mm. of this doctrine maybe yeah is I that think so. uh, god is um dragging people kicking and screaming into the kingdom and people right. that don't want to come to christ have no choice and people that want to come to christ can't can't get in yeah. Yeah. Um I mean the extremes um I've heard people say that this makes God a cosmic rapist. Yeah. Um I've because heard of this. Um so we've got to uh we've got to deal with this uh, this issue of it irresistible is. grace, the eye and tulip or I think a more appropriate um label is effectual call. Yeah, effectual calling, overcoming grace, I've heard it called that as well. <clears throat> yeah. There's no one, so let's just preface it again to make it clear what you just said. There isn't anyone who wants to be saved um, that is excluded. Everyone who wants Christ gets Christ. And there's not a single person that has, like you said, been drug in against their will. Now, we're going to have to explain why as we move through this. Do we want to listen to uh, Leighton Flowers? Let's talk just, first, or we want to introduce it, and then maybe and then. just a brief, a brief uh, <clears throat> explanation. Okay. So, if you if you're talking to someone who has no idea what is the doctrine of irresistible grace, here's what it is, and then we can explain this even more. So, it is that it goes. It's linked to the doctrine of total uh, depravity. Mm-hmm. That people are dead in their trespasses and sins. That uh, their heart, they have hearts of stone that their will is against God. Uh, we are described as enemies of God. And so you don't love him, okay? So the question that... I, the one the thing I always put to people in the army, they had this thing called a veggie omelet MRE. It should have been on Fear Factor. <laughs> you remember Fear Factor where they eat gross stuff? Uh-huh. Well, nobody would eat that. Like, yeah. you'd rather just starve to death than have to eat a veggie omelet MRE. <laughs> So when the box gets open, people are just rifling through there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you're a leader, you'll eat last. So if there's just one left and it's a veggie MRE, I guess you just aren't eating. Okay. Unless you're just crazy. 
So everybody hates it, right? Everybody hates the veggie, the, the this veggie omelet MRE. Now, all of a sudden, right? Could I just go? You know what? I love that. I love that veggie omelet MRE. It's delicious. Whenever I hear about it, my mouth just waters like it's a steak. I can't resist it. Like I've got to have it. You can't do that. You can't flip the switch. And so a person that is a sinner, that is dead in their trespasses and sins, they view Christ that way. Mm-hmm. He's a veggie omelet MRE. They, <laughs> yeah, this is true, George. It's a, hey, you're not ever going to forget it though. Right? <coughs> they don't love him. They don't want him. They actually love something though. They love their sin. Their sin is like, a diamond to them, like it's the most valuable thing in the world. Mm. Now, when, what God does in grace is he overcomes a sinner, removes a heart of stone, gives them a heart of flesh, opens the blindness of their eyes. They then see the filth of their sin. They see their sins, actually, the veggie MRE, and then they see Christ, and they're like, there he is, the diamond of the universe. And so then, willingly, they freely run to Christ and fall on their, they fall before him, surrendering their life to him. That's the doctrine of irresistible grace. Now, it's called irresistible because when God moves on someone in this fashion, it always works. Mm -hmm. It's being set free. Um, Overcoming or effectual calling is our other good terms. Yeah, It's it's linked with regeneration, Mm -hmm. Um, the new birth. It's called called many things throughout the Bible, circumcision of the heart. Yes. we we again we we talk about how these these five points they they just blend together they they all go together so once you get total depravity down the rest just kind of fall into to place because if total depravity is true then something god has to do something for you before you can ever respond to him mm-hmm. um and that's that's what that's what effectual call is mm-hmm. it's it's putting the priority on God. God is the one who acts first. And then in response to what God has done, we respond mm-hmm. in turn. Um, the The picture of, of um, I know some Armenians don't like the picture of, of Jesus raising Lazarus, but it's, it's such a great picture of, of what's going on because the Bible talks about us being dead in sin. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> now that... There's there are um, there there are people that that put up straw men like like when we say dead in sin we mean that the sinner does nothing, right? Um, but that that's not that's not uh, that's not what we're teaching. But the picture is of the sinner that's that's dead, and Jesus comes and says, "Lazarus, come forth." Mm-hmm. What does Jesus have to do before la- that's a command? I mean, that's that's in the imperative. Lazarus come out of the of the grave. What does what has to happen to Lazarus before he can obey Jesus's command? Right. Mm-hmm. He has to be raised to life. Lazarus is not he's not doing that himself. Right. Lazarus is not raising himself. So that Jesus has to do something for Lazarus before Lazarus can obey the the command to come out of the tomb. Mm-hmm. That's this. That's what we're saying with the gospel call. the The gospel call is a command: repent and and follow Jesus, obey Him. Uh, the sinner, dead in in trespasses, 
can't do that, can't obey that command until God does something for yeah. them first, raising mm-hmm. them from spiritual death to spiritual life. And then Lazarus can't help but come out of the tomb. Yeah. Um, the, the, the sinner that has been brought to life, who has been regenerated, born again, um, their heart's been circumcised. They can't. They can't. Uh, they can't help but come to Jesus. Why? Why would they stay? Why would they stay in the grave? Mm-hmm. They're they're going to come out because Jesus has raised them from the dead. Right. Right. Um, and and so that's um, that, that's that's what effectual call is. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not God dragging them, kicking and screaming. It's Christ, the risen King, subdues the will, mm-hmm. so that now this this conquered sinner willingly wants to follow after Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, Psalm Psalm 110 <clears throat> talks about this. Mm-hmm. That that your people will willingly follow you mm-hmm. in the day of your power. That's that's a factual call. Yeah. So one objection that will be raised, maybe if there are maybe even those Armenians may be listening now. I'm glad that you guys are here. We're not going to like knock you guys during this podcast, but I know objection that they'll raise is to say, well this this means that God's general offer of the gospel is not a well-meant offer. And I think we'll hang on to that and deal with that later after we go through this doctrine, but that's what they'll say. They'll mm-hmm. say, okay, well, that means when you issue a gospel call, God doesn't mean it because he knows only those he is going to give the effectual call to can respond, so it's not a well-meant offer. So we'll have to talk about that here in a bit. So, but do you want to start with that video? I don't know what's in the video. Sure, um, we can, we can, because... Leighton Flowers, we've talked about him before. He has built a career out of um, <clears throat> objecting to Calvinism. Right. So yeah. he's he started Soteriology 101. It's all about, um, he calls himself a provisionist. Um, so he would, se- he would separate himself from Arminianism. But um, I would say that he goes too far. <laughs> he goes too far on the other side of Arminianism, and he... he uh, well, plays around with uh, with at least semi Pelagianism, oh, sure. if not full blown Pelagianism. We've talked about his video where he's saying, "Well, uh, you know, uh, an open theist could be a member of his church, yeah. and and all kinds." Of, um, which I mean, he he's just he's just step by step slowly has Roger more Olson more consistent. Could, Ro- Roger Olson has has mm-hmm. critiqued him. Yeah. Yeah. Saying like, yeah, Roger Olson, who is an, an, an actual Ar- Armenian, yeah, a real, uh, like a, I would a say, real, a real Armenian, a classical, a classical Armenian. Armenian. <clears throat> yeah, he, he even says that that guys like Luton Flowers are going too far, mm-hmm. um, that they're in dangerous territory. Um, but uh, anyway, this is a video called um, "Can We Humble Ourselves Without God?" and it's um, it's it's talking about this okay. doctrine of of irresistible grace for effectual call. So. All right. Let's uh let's click it. Oops. <clears throat> you talked a lot about speaking to me, Leighton, you've talked a lot about your your need uh the need to humble yourself. But do you believe one can do that without God? All Calvinism is saying is that we need God. Why do you fight that? Okay, now, for those of you who are regular listeners, I would hope you would know the answer to this question without me giving an answer. So let's just take it one point at a time. He says, you have talked a lot about the need to humble yourself. Now, let me stop there. I am not the one talking about the need to humble yourself. 
I am telling you about the Bible and what the Bible says about your need to humble yourself. Okay, so it's not like Leighton came up with this idea of telling everybody you got to humble yourself. That's the Bible. I think uh, he's like intentionally being for dense. example. First mm. Peter five six. Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that He might lift you up in due time. So that's Peter, not Leighton. All right, James. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So that's Peter and James. Uh, the Psalms. Uh, you save the humble, but bring low those eyes who are haughty. Uh, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. The Proverbs. So, so far, that's four different authors, and none of them have anything to do with Leighton Flowers. Okay? Uh, Isaiah 66, too. These are the ones I look on fa with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. Um, so again and again and again throughout the scriptures, it calls us to humble ourselves. That is Jesus. That is Paul. That is Peter. That is the apostles. That is the Old Testament scriptures. It, it is so often repeated that to, to suggest that I am the one who's introducing this into the sociological discussion seems strange to me, at least. Um, and Can you maybe pause that's it? not what this, this question... I think it's strange to keep using verses that are addressed to believers. Yeah. Well, I, I do you know what I mean. <clears throat> right. These verses don't even have; they're yeah. not even in the realm of what we're talking about. Well, I, you know, he's again. I think he's just being intentionally dense. I mean, he's he's already taken up two minutes of this answer, and right. it's like he's it's like he can't understand the question. Like the guy phrased it. You've talked about a lot about the need to humble yourself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't think the guy is like. Where's that in the Bible? You're talking, you know, you're probably right. in this category. He's just, uh, it's just Leighton Flowers being Leighton Flowers. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The question the guy's trying to get to, I think, in regard to this is Can you do this without God? How can you see Jesus as someone worth laying your entire life down for and leave your sin behind mm. without God's grace? Right. Like, can you muster that up from within yourself? Yeah, and all all Christians through history have said no, until oh well, except for Pelagius and a few others, mm. right? right? Even a classical Arminian would say no. Mm -hmm. They'd say no. There must be provenient grace. Right. So yeah, he's he's off the reservation. Yeah. All right. Well, here he spent two minutes um, dealing with this fake attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's see in the last three minutes of this video what okay. he what he says about this. I like that. Uh, I like that facial. He's expression. whistling. I like that facial expression there. Yep. Was intending to do, but that that's what it seems like. He's almost accusing me, like like Leighton, you're out there telling everybody you have to humble yourself. No, I'm just reading the Bible to you. Okay. Um, the Bible <laughs> tells us you have to humble yourself over yeah. and over and over and over and over again. Okay. Um, but then he says, but do you believe one can hang do on, that hang on, without God? Did I not just tell everybody the very last <laughs> That's sermon? That's an even better. <laughs> That's an even better pause. Didn't <clears throat> last sermon I preached, I'm a, I'm a Calvinist, right? Uh, Didn't I just tell everybody, some of you here, the reason you won't come to Jesus because you're too proud? Mm. Didn't I? So you're you're just proud. You don't want to you don't want him to serve you. You don't want to acknowledge that you need him. <clears throat> so of course, we're going to tell people that, knowing that only God can actually humble them to the place where they can come to because conversion. Because the Bible gives commands. Right. 
But just because the Bible gives a command doesn't mean that we in our own power are able to do it. Circumcise your heart. Right. How do you do that? How do you circumcise your own heart? Well, you need like a, a, a one of those devices that spread your ribs apart. <laughs> and then you need a mirror and a really good scalpel. Yeah. And, yeah I'm joking, obviously. Right. It's impossible <laughs> to do. What, what God is saying, do this. Then he'll tell be, them, "I'm going to do it." For yeah, you. I'm going to do it for in the it, he. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, um, it it tells it gives the command, "Circumcise your heart." Uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, maybe. Um, and then the rest of the book um, gives laws mm-hmm. before we get to um, Moses's. Um, negative prophecy about Israel. They're not going to do this. They're going to go into captivity. And then God promises that after you come, after you go to captivity, I will circumcise your heart. So they're not going to do it. Uh And that's the history of the Old Testament. The history of Israel is they've got this command. God's given them the law. And they time and time again, they they chase after false gods. Time and time again, they they reject God and his rule. Um, But God's graciously going to do for them what they can't do for themselves. Uh, God tells them, be holy as I am holy. Does Leighton Flowers believe that, well, we can do that without God because, (laughs) I mean, God gave us the command to be holy as he's holy, right? Uh, Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, this gets into the not a well-meant offer. I thought we could hold on till later, but this is perfect to slide it in. Um. They say, hey, you're saying God's telling people to do something they can't do. That means God, God, it's not a genuine offer on God's part. It's not a well-meant offer on God's part. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's not well-meant on God's part because he knows you can't do it. Mm. Okay, well, we get to these commands that you just said. God clearly gives that the people can't do. Mm. How about just the Ten Commandments? Right. You know, I, I remember uh, when I first read this, this is the game changer for me. I was reading uh, the Gospel Worthy of All Acceptation. Mm. Andrew Fuller. Mm-hmm. And I was reading it during Systematic Theology number two. Now, in my class, I was like, there were like two Calvinists. One of them didn't speak up hardly ever. So it was like me versus the professor, which is never good because he's read like five million more things than me, but apparently hadn't read this yet. So he was coming at this. So he was saying, like, look, Calvinists, you believe this. Like, there's a big wedding party and uh, you go around and give out wedding invitations. And then you go up. To uh, to George and you're like, Psst, they didn't get the real invitation. Here's the real invitation. You come to this one, and you'll come to the wedding. And I'm like, no, no. So the Wellman offer thing was up. So I just asked him. Andrew Fuller again gets credit. I said, I was like, excuse me, sir. Um, do you think that we can obey the Ten Commandments? And he was like, no, of course not. Well, cause no, no Christian will say you can. I mean, like, no one can keep the law. That's the whole point of Christianity. You can't keep the law. Right. Jesus must do it for you. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, I guess they weren't, are they not well meant? Yeah. Did God not, were they not well meant commands? So he didn't really intend for us to keep them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, never thought of it like that. <laughs> and that's the gospel call. Right. Right. The gospel is you can't do this. And I and I I think I think what what maybe Leighton is is responding to is this weakened, watered watered down evangelism that 
a lot of Christians do. Mm. Instead of really pressing in on sin, you are helpless. God has commanded you to follow Jesus, and you won't do it. You need you need God to save you. You need God to rescue you out of this this depravity of your own making. You are you have you have willfully put these chains on, mm-hmm. and now you can't get free. Only God can set you free. Right. Um, the 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 terrors of the law is the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. God is God's holiness is the standard. And you are so far removed from it that you are absolutely hopeless. You you are damned to hell unless God does something for you. Right. So cry out for mercy to God. Yes, that's right. That's what leads a sinner to cry out for mercy. Right. For God to save them. Yeah. Hence the whole word saving. Yeah. The the gospel is not here's what God wants you to do. Now you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's here's what God commands you to do. You can't do it. <laughs> cry out for God to save you. What um what's what's what else is in the video? I've got um, there's a ton of Bible verses we can go through. Yeah. Uh but what else we got in this video? Well, I've got to I've got to take a screenshot of this because uh, this, it's too that, good. That this uh, this this face of Leighton Flowers is me, that's meme material. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I saw that on the preview for the Pope's exorcist. No, I don't think you can take your next breath without God. I mean God sustains our very existence. And so you can't do anything without God. You can't think and reason and breathe without God. Okay. So can you respond to him without him? Does that make sense? It's like, can you respond to this, this broadcast if without me, well, without me, you wouldn't have this broadcast to respond to. So it doesn't make (laughs) Any, you any see how he's like he's like intentionally con- yeah, like mixing up the categories, of, right? Well, of course you can't do it without God. God. He he's the one that you'll, you'll makes your heart beat. Within, within <laughs> yeah, I know. Discussion <laughs> is that apart from God, you can do nothing. Kind of a, an idea, and then and then you'll hear people making accusations that those people over there believe that you can do this in and of yourself, or you can do this all on your own. Listen. We don't believe God's left anybody on their own. So why in the world would we believe that they can respond? I mean, the word response in and of itself means you're not alone. What are you responding to if you're alone? Yourself? This, this is so crazy. This is so him. weird, you're man. responding to the law, the gospel, the Holy Spirit bring conviction <clears throat> through the law and the gospel. You're, you're not. If you're responding, you're not on your own. And God is the initiator. So no one is on their own. On, on either one of our either side of this dividing aisle of the sociological view, does anybody believe you're acting completely and totally on your own? Okay, you are responding to him. So can you pause it for a second? Doing. What I think, now, I, what I want to make clear, I think, is that he doesn't have the classical Armenian position, which is that you're totally depraved. Mm-hmm. Um, the classic Ar- Armenian position, you can see this in Arminius's writings, is that. You're in total depravity. God must act on you in an overcoming grace mm-hmm. to overcome your your death, your right. dead and trespasses. Now, the difference in <clears throat> Arminian's view is that 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 will then elevate you to the position where you are able to make a free choice. Yeah. Right. Right. So maybe like to a state of Adam. Mm-hmm. 
elevates you out of your death and sin to where you can accept Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's provenient grace, grace that comes before. Um, and Or you can reject it. You reject it, you fall back into your state of sin and death. Mm-hmm. This is not what he's describing. No. What he describes is you are able to do it. Oh, but you're not doing without God, Jay, because uh, well, God God's the one that created you. Right. Hey, you're not doing without. <laughs> right, right. You didn't pop into existence ex nihilo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, look, there's a re- there's a reason why like, okay, like George Whit- George Whitfield and the Wesleys, they both preached the same gospel with the same power. Mm-hmm. And it's because they believed that they were helpless. Yeah. They just, just they just believe differently about the doctrine of this how we're talking about grace here. This ain't that. No. At all. Mm-mm. Okay, just want to make that clear. Either responding to him who is acting in an effectual, irresistible way, or you're responding to him who is acting in a way that you are responsible, <laughs> that you're able to actually respond to him, either by suppressing the truth or accepting it. That's the that's the point of contention. It's not whether you're acting on your own or acting with God. We all believe you're acting in response to God. The question is, is God acting in such a way as he's irresistibly causing a response or not? That That's the difference. That's the point of contention. I pause again. And so... Irresistibly when, causing the response. So, so I would say um, your response is an effect mm-hmm. because... I deny that God has faith for me. Right. That's that's not true. Yeah. God grants repentance and faith in that. All right. It would be like you spent your whole life uh, as a slave abused by a cruel master, and you're living under that tyranny, unable to free yourself in any capacity whatsoever. Then along comes a redeemer, and he smashes your slave master— breaks your chains, and gives you freedom in the world, you then surrender your life to serving that master because you want to, right? That's what happens uh, when Jesus frees you from sin. Um, a slave, he even uses a language. Anyone who sins a slave of sin, but if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Char- Charles Wesley, who I think has even better, I think he has better theology than than his brother. And he's, and he's yeah, I mean, this is where you're like, is he really an Arminian, or what, yeah, yeah. what is he? he? He wrote, and can it be? Uh-huh. And and this is the this is the third verse. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. That's total depravity, uh-huh. right? I'm, long I was in chains. Thine eye dif- diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. There you go. That is a factual call. Mm-hmm. It's not, I want to stay in this prison, and God's dragging you out. <laughs> right. It's, he set your, he set your, your he, he set you free. All the chains fell off. Mm-hmm. You're, you once were dead. Now you're alive. Right. Yeah. And so, your affections have been changed. Mm-hmm. You love sin. God removed the blinders off your eyes. You see Christ as better. And so you pursue the greater the greater affection. I think it's interesting you use the <clears throat> word seeing because Jesus uses that terminology in John 3, 3, 
that uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, they can't, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm. Yeah. Okay. According to Jesus, regeneration has to take place via the Holy Spirit. This is John three. The chapter is on the Holy Spirit regeneration, being yeah. born again. Just as you had nothing to do with your birth, Jesus is saying you must have a new birth from above. Right. You can't see the kingdom until that happens. They have you seeing the kingdom, evaluating whether your kingdom is as good as this God's kingdom, and saying, you know what, my kingdom's kind of terrible. Yeah. I think I want that kingdom. And then you go to the kingdom, and then you get born again. Yeah. They still can't. They st- we don't have to watch the rest of this if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not gonna say anything that's like so profound um but um they still haven't answered the question why me and not somebody else mm-hmm. like if we're if we're just making um a and i say independent knowing that if Leighton was here he'd be like well god gives you breath um independent <laughs> <laughs> If if you're making an independent choice that God is not irresistibly bringing you to Christ, if you're if you are making this completely neutral mm-hmm. decision, why me and not somebody else? Well, and and the answer has to come back to something in me. I I weighed the I weighed the the <clears throat> pros and cons, and I just came down on the pros side right. and mm-hmm. my neighbor came down on the on the on the uh you know the negative side there was something that you know that they had that they just loved more than loved god and i was willing to lay everything down to follow him yeah. they would never say it that way right. but i mean you've eliminated what paul has said in ephesians chapter 2 that so no one may boast mm-hmm. they would say well why would i boast about that well and I know that Leighton Flowers would say that there's no boasting there's no in boasting. his position. I just don't know how you. I don't know how you can exclude boasting, if if it's not the effectual call. Right. I don't know how you get there. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, there are there are are multitude of of genuine Christians who are able to live with those inconsistencies. Um, but I just don't see how you. I don't know how you get there. Right. Um, everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ has been born of God. Right. I've yet to see someone who is not a uh, who doesn't believe in irresistible grace or effectual calling even attempt to exegete the passage according to what's there. Because it literally has you believing because you've been born of God. Yeah. That's right there in the text in First John five one. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. Um, <clears throat> you um, believe and then you were born of God. It's the other way around. Yeah. Completely the other way around. Um. Well, you want to look at some. You want to look I've at some passages. Bunch. Sure. You look at some passages. I mean, the one I'm going to go. You know, to, I um. I, I've got John 6 here in a minute that I'd like to just walk through, because contextually I think it's like overwhelmingly powerful, but we can we can go some other places as well first. I mean, I could I could go probably the rest of my life without listening to Leighton Flowers. This is the, this is the face I make when I have to listen to Leighton Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. You know, I'm surprised he recovered from that Romans 9 debate all those years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just would have chose a different job. Just you know. Yeah, I'm done. 
Become a woodworker or something. <laughs> woodworker. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cabinet builder. Who Inter- knows? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think that, I mean, we could go through a lot. There's 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 just passages where it talks about the inability of the disciples to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what's going on. Um, Luke chapter 24, they, they're... The two disciples are on the road to Emmaus. Jesus comes. Their eyes are kept from recognizing him. So God can override your your abilities. Mm-hmm. Right? And what they need is for them to for him to open their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. They need God to do something for them. It's not that they don't have the that they have the scriptures, and Jesus even chastises them for having the scriptures and not knowing that the Christ was supposed to suffer before he enters his glory. He's saying it's there, it's it's obvious. Mm-hmm. It's the the fault is not with the scriptures, the fault is with you. And so even though he holds them responsible for not knowing he still has to open their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. Well, yeah, we're we're getting into something that we ought to know. That people may be confused because they'll say it'd be like God telling you to fly. You're not a bird. You can't fly. All right, so there's a very important distinction that needs to be made between what's called natural ability and moral ability. Mm-hmm. Okay? God ha- and this Andrew Fuller is good here too, so is Edwards and Sproul. But Sproul may make it more clear. So check Sproul's books out in this regard. But natural ability is um, you have everything required to obey God. Mm-hmm. Everything. He's given you everything you need. He's given you ears to hear what he commands. He's given you a mind to process it and understand what he says. Mm-hmm. And he's given you a heart and a will. Okay? You have everything you need to do what God commands. The problem is, is you don't have the moral ability to do it, and the bre- the, the brokenness of your moral ability is your own fault. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are a slave to your own sin. So you have the natural ability. So what God commands is not unreasonable, but sin has enslaved you such that you're trapped and in chains, and you cannot obey, nor do you want to obey because mm-hmm. your moral composition of what it means to be a human is broken. Mm. Right. See what I mean? So it's not like telling someone fly. Yeah. But you can't because you're not a bird. It's taking seriously the fact that something happened to us in the fall. Yeah. Like we are not it, it's like this. We're we're not th- we're not okay. <laughs> we are broken. Yeah, yeah. We are broken and we we are twisted and we hate God. Our affections are all out of line. That is all of us because of the fall. Yeah, It's not that we, like you said, it's not that we can't read the Bible and understand what it says. Mm-hmm. It's that there's something wrong with our hearts, and only God can, can fix that. It'd be like if you told um, Usain Bolt, like, hey, you're the fastest man in the world. Um, we want you to run again in the Olympics and break every record, you know, that maybe back when he's in his prime. Before he breaks the world record, which he could do, he were to say, "No, I, I, I don't love it anymore. I'm done. I quit. You know, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go be a ping pong player. <laughs> you know, can he? Can he run? Of course he can. Will he do it? No, because his heart 
is not in it, so he can't do it. So he would never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, moral ability, natural ability. We have every God's given us everything. God's commands are not unreasonable, right? He's given us everything we need. We just won't do it. Right. It comes down to the won't. Mm. There's no, but there's no exception. There's not a single person on the planet that's the exception that says, you know what? I'm dead in sin and trespasses, and not only that, I inherited Adam's sin. But I think today I'll be the one that breaks the cycle. <laughs> right? You're morally, you're morally broken and cannot do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are many verses that speak to the cannot. Right. Yeah, and we looked at that. We looked at that with total depravity. Go back and listen to that. Mm-hmm. When did we do that? Two months ago? <laughs> it seems like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we are unable. The, the, uh, the natural man is unable to submit to the law of God. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, a question of his ability. <clears throat> not, not in a natural sense, but in a moral sense. Yes, in the moral inability. That's correct. Yeah. Um, you know, there are many. Well, you spoke about the difference between the people. When when Paul goes uh, to the Philippians and he's preaching, he goes down uh, and he begins to preach by the little creek or whatever, right? There are many people down there, right? Many women. Mm-hmm. One responds. Yeah. Why her? Not, not everybody else. Acts 16, 14. God opens her heart. What a what a picture of what God does when he calls a sinner out of their sin yeah. and brings them to himself. The Lord opened her heart. And that's the testimony, I think, of every Christian. Mm-hmm. They can identify with that. <clears throat> they can remember that when God did that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the uh in Second Corinthians, Paul Paul writes of it as as creation. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Corinthians chapter four. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. It's really, I mean, if you if you believe that it's it's that um, people are able to make this kind of neutral choice, it'd be really tempting to adopt underhanded ways to try mm-hmm. to get that that decision. Right. But Paul says even though even though we are facing hostility and opposition, we don't see as much as much success as we would like, we don't lose heart. Right. And we we renounce these disgraceful underhanded ways. We're not going to peddle God's word just so that we can get the the decision. Get the numbers. You got to yeah. pump those numbers up. <clears throat> but so, so but, I like that you said that you brought this up because I rarely have found a one who's not a Calvinist that's honest about it. And I think I might have told you about this before at seminary. We had a a music minister of a big church, like a mega church, come and talk to our class. It was like pastoral leadership or something. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm not even going to try to hide it." At the end of service, we try to manipulate people into accepting Christ. <laughs> what he said, we turn the lights down low. We try to. Set he said, the- manipulate. I prom. I will put my hand on in a court of law on the Bible and testify. <laughs> wow. That's what this he said. We set turn the lights down low. Mm. We play the music in a way that is com- mm-hmm. compelling. Right. And they they try to get people to make decisions. It's decisionism mm. so they can get those numbers up. Wow. Yeah. 
Some will even stack the deck and have people yeah. walk first. Uh-huh, they prime, prime the pump. Yeah, mm-hmm. gives the impression people are coming forward. Right. So Paul says that we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, just preaching the, just preaching the gospel, mm-hmm. right? um, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's total depravity. Right. Like we're, we're, there's, he's not even saying just themselves. He's saying that the God of this world, the, the devil is blinding people's eyes so that they cannot, he's keeping them from it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but here is, here's the effectual call. And he, he talks about it in, in uh, language of creation of Genesis. Um, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm. So the same God that said into the darkness, let there be light has spoken into the hearts of believers who are dead in their sins and trespasses, who are lost in the, the darkness yeah. of sin, mm-hmm. let there be light. Yeah. And just like Genesis 1, God says, let there be light, and it's in, it is absolutely absurd to think that there would be anything but light. Right. Uh, right. God speaks, let there be light, into the heart of sinners, mm-hmm. and it would be absurd to, to think that they would continue to be dead in their sins and trespasses. If, if God says, let there be light, there's going to be light. Yeah. Well, some would say would say that um, he may reveal that to you, but you then make a choice, mm. and you're responsible for that choice, and you can go back to the darkness. You can go back just to your like dungeon. The, just like the just like the light in Genesis one. Right. Just go just, back in your dungeon. Just like the just just like when he said, "Let there be a, a sun and a moon and stars," and the sun's like, mm-hmm. "Nah, not today." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's this is. Um, unconquerable grace. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh-huh. God is omnipotent, and he can he can conquer the the will of a sinner. That's right. It, it, for us to to deny irresistible or effectual call is to say that the sinner is stronger than God. God is omnipotent. God will have His way, and the sinner is going to be the the recipient of grace. If only we had a really good illustration of that happening in the Bible. Right. Is there any? Yeah. <laughs> is there any? Like maybe God's most bitter enemy. Well, Jesus' most bitter enemy. Mm-hmm. Think of a terrorist who thinks he's serving God. Mm. I, yeah. I heard Paul's conversion once. It, they said, imagine if Osama bin Laden were to convert to Christianity yeah. and, and quit being a terrorist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Paul, a persecutor of Christians, he see in his zeal, he thinks he's serving God. Right. He's persecuting the church. Mm. Jesus confronts him on the road to Damascus, and the confrontation ends with Jesus's will being done, mm. <clears throat> meaning, I'm taking you, my enemy. <clears throat> you're now my number one guy. Right. You're my number one draft pick. You're taking the gospel to the end of the Romans Empire, oh, Roman Empire, yeah. and you don't really have a say about it. And it would be absolutely asinine for us to say the the Apostle Paul could have just as easily have made the other decision. Mm-hmm. Well, what does he say? Jesus says to him, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Right. What's, what's, it's like you stab a horse in the back, <laughs> right. and it's 
and it's what do they call their back legs? They're shanks. I don't know. <laughs> They're shanks. Is that where prison shanks came from? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a horse person. Somebody can type in here. You know. The gu- anyway, uh, yeah. You're gonna poke them, and you might dig it all the way in until they, boom. Uh-huh. Okay, you're gonna have to square what Jesus says with some of these accusations leveled at you know at this. Anyway, the end result is Paul sees Jesus as beautiful, worthy of following, mm. and literally gives up his entire life to follow him. Yeah. <clears throat> in, an, in an instant. Amazing. Of course, he has to learn, so he has some time where he takes some years, and but it's it's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. But the, for those that would object, say, okay, I believe God could call someone in this way. He could shine light. You have Romans 8.30 you have to contend with. The golden chain of redemption uh-huh. is an unbroken chain. Right. That's why it's called the golden chain, this, this chain of redemption. Romans 8.30, for those he predestined, he also called... And those whom he called, he also justified. There aren't people that are called that aren't justified. Those he calls, he justifies. Those whom he justifies, he glorifies. It's the work of God. From through, it's from beginning to end, the work of God. Predestination, glorification, everything in between, all God's work. And this is why we praise God for the grace that he's lavished upon us. Um, so you, you can't be called... And not justified. Romans eight thirty. Right, it's right there. Yeah, I don't really know how you even get out of that. One. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's there's passages in um, in Acts where they're preaching the gospel. Uh, Acts eleven, Peter is uh, he's describing his the whole situation with Cornelius and how he went and preached to Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit came oh. fell on them while he was preaching. Mm-hmm. And it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the word given. He's yeah. given repentance to these people. Mm-hmm. Can you humble yourself without God? It's more than just, well, he, he gave you breath, so of course you're not doing it without God. It's, you can't make this decision without God granting to you repentance. <clears throat> people don't humble themselves ever. Have you ever thought about this? People don't humble themselves, really. They get humbled. Mm. So when God tells you to humble yourself, it's almost as if it's a warning. Yeah. Because he will humble those who belong to him. Yeah. Um, you think about like someone who is uh, in whatever field that they're in. They're the best. They're very, they're very not humble. Like Something usually happens to them which humbles them. The sinner is not humble before God. God has to confront the sinner in their sin to humble them. Mm. Right? Yeah. Anyway, that we got sidetracked. Isn't there what's where's the passage? Uh, where's uh, the, I mean that's 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 good. I mean that this and and we've already we've already touched on it a little bit. These the, this this doctrine has practical outworking. Uh-huh. What you believe about this doctrine will affect how you practice evangelism and ministry. Right. You talked about the guy who said we turned down the lights and we try to manipulate people's emotions so that they'll make a decision. Yeah. That is a practical outworking of not believing in effectual call. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have we don't have a formal invitation at the end of our services. And I know we've been criticized before for not having invitations. Mm-hmm. But the whole service is an invitation for you to follow God. Yeah. And we believe that if God actually is converting somebody, then they don't need 
uh, 10 stanzas of Just As I Am in order to convince them to walk the aisle and give their heart to Jesus. We believe that if, if God is actually working in their hearts and causing them to be born again, that they're going to want to follow Jesus um, no matter what. Even if uh, immediately after the service, everyone just leaves and goes home, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they will irresistibly want to follow Jesus because Jesus has become irresistible to them. Uh-huh. Um, Acts chapter 13, verse 48. So when, when you're saying, you know, this, this, um, you know, these, this has practical outwork oh, yeah. for how we, how we, uh, we, we live. And in our Christian life, in our Christian life, we need to be reminded that even when we read these passages about humbling ourselves, we need to be crying out for the Holy Spirit to give us the power to humble ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like this is this we're we're I mean we're talking in a way that we're you know it could it could easily be just um, put in this this compartment of starting the Christian faith, mm-hmm. but we are saying that we need. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life every day. We're we're not doing it in our own power. We're right. not humbling ourselves in our own power. We're not obeying in our own power. We're so this this idea of effectual call. It's it's just the entrance into a life that is uh, powered by God's grace. So Philippians chapter two. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're, you are commanded to do something, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the, the Christian life is not a life that is empowered by just something that we produce in ourselves. Every day we need God to be doing something for us in order for us to live the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, we want to make sure that we're not just putting it in one one compartment and acting as if, well, you can't come to Christ unless God does something for you. You can't live the Christian life <laughs> every day unless God does something for you. Mm-hmm. It's continued grace uh, to right. live the Christian life. But I wanted to go back to Acts chapter 13, verse 48, because the order of these sentences matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, when the Gentiles heard this, the gospel, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The word order matters. Yeah, it does. Right, why did they believe? It's because they were appointed to eternal life. Mm-hmm. As many as were appointed to eternal life responded. They believed. Yep. Right? That's a factual call. Yep. Yeah, it, it does have, it has big implications. Um, doesn't God tell him, don't be afraid to go. I have many people in mm-hmm. this city. Yeah, when he's when he's going to Corinth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. I've yeah. got many people in the city. Yeah, he he doesn't mean hey, there's people there that'll protect you. Right. He's telling him you go there, the gospel will have its effect. It's like being a fisherman, uh-huh. and being told go to that spot. The fish are biting. Yeah, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you will get you will get a catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an encouragement that that is. Yeah, yeah, I think, and and it's not you know Paul doesn't have to he doesn't have to rest in his abilities. He just he just rests in the promises of God that Jesus has died for to redeem a people and the spirit is going to apply the work of Christ to a particular people. All you got to do is go and and get them. Yeah, this is um 
he, he learns it because he talks about Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, which I'll read beginning in verse 8, 8 through 10. But think about it as I set this up. You're a missionary. Uh, the church is brand new. Um, you've, you've been imprisoned. You've been beaten. Uh, you've been whipped. Uh, you've been, they tried to stone you to death, but you survived. You've stumbled into some towns naked because people have taken your clothes away. You literally have no money, no food, nothing. You've spent countless months in a Roman dungeon. How do you keep going? Do you keep going because maybe you'll be convincing enough for people to choose Jesus Christ? Or what does Paul say? Mm Mm-hmm. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as I preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Mm. He's enduring it because he knows people will respond to the gospel, because he knows God will overcome their unbelief through irresistible calling. Mm-hmm. Um, that inspires and gives me the fuel that I need to keep going, even in my ministry, even though I'm not suffering. Yeah. I'm not suffering for the sake of the gospel in America yep. yet. I mean, other than, you know, having to endure people's slander and, mm. you know, whatever. That I mean, not to say that that's not real persecution. Some <clears throat> people get, have it a lot worse in their jobs and employment and stuff, but I'm just saying I've not been stripped naked and beaten and stoned, tried to stone to stone me to death, mm. but I need the fuel to keep going, and that's my that's my confidence. It's right. not in my preaching ability or in our church. It's in that God is faithful to do what he says he will do. And, and that's why Paul can write the way that he does in the first, what, four chapters of First Corinthians. Yeah. There are people that are <clears throat> they're professional um, orators. Yeah, that they, they they've they've mastered the art of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, "I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to preach Christ and Him crucified. It's it is um, uh, you know an offense to the Gentiles and it's a stumbling block to the Jews, but to those who are called, it's the power of God." Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's not going to he's not going to try to um, convince you like uh, some sure. kind of lawyer, yeah, uh, to to get the jury to um, you know make make the decision that he wants them to make. He's going to trust in the power of God. So he's just going he's going to preach Christ. Um, I got a funny story for you about that passage that you just referenced in First Corinthians. It's one eighteen through thirty one. So I go to my Greek New Testament professor slash New Testament professor slash biblical backgrounds guy. This guy is like one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. Incredible. Um, His testimony is one of the power of God to overcome a sinner. He used to go to Gold's Gym. He's a power lifter. So he used to be a really massive dude, like back, I think back like in the 80s. And uh, he d- he despised Christians. He said there was a Christian guy at the gym, smaller, and he used to try to talk to him about the gospel. And he said, I used to pick him up and put him in the toilet, upside down and flush the toilet and make fun of him, you know, abuse him. Mm. I was cruel. He said, um, 
one day, he, he, I can't remember exactly the circumstances, but God overcome his, um, his unbelief, he became a Christian. It was a miraculous conversion. It's like, you know, bam, God, like, mm-hmm. like Paul. Right. So he said, the first person I ran to was the, this Christian who was always trying to evangelize me. I banged on his dorm room. He opened it up, and he was like, oh! <laughs> you know, and he's like, no, 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 I'm here to tell you. I've become a Christian. God has saved me. <clears throat> and he said, we hugged each other. It was amazing. And I asked him to forgive me for what I did, how cruel I was to him. So I go to him, and I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a paper on the effectual call for systematic theology. And you know the duel between like, uh, like Greek scholars and you know bi- biblical theology guys and systematic theology guys. He goes, just write your paper on First Corinthians, you know, one eighteen through thirty one. And I'm like, it's a systematic theology. If I do that, I'm going to fail. <laughs> right. He's like, doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. <laughs> just do it. That's all you need. That's all you need is those passages. It's game over. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I can't do that, but thank you uh-huh. for the tip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but go read it. Yeah. Go read it for yourself. First Corinthians 1, 18 to 31. Very powerful. Didn't you say that that was the, uh, that was the passage that you were, you were listening to me on to try to, try to, I want to see where you were out where, yeah, I, yeah. where I was That's when what we I first do. met. So I got a thing I do, right? I'm like, okay, let's see if this guy's legit. Yeah. And this is before I really knew you. So uh-huh. I went online and I listened to this. Yeah. You preach this passage. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, George is a real deal. <laughs> I passed the test. You passed the test. That's good. There are people who are influential because I, because I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was, I was at Northwest for about two years, and people started getting upset over Calvinism, and I really started to to question: Have I just been like a secret Calvinist? No, you have definitely I, have. I, you know, have I been watering <clears throat> down these texts and not making it clear? And I, I preached through First Corinthians pretty soon after I came. I, I preached yeah. a couple of books, and yeah. then I, I jumped into First Corinthians, and it's, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it, he front loads it with, with the gospel of, of, of uh, free divine grace. Right. Um, and I went back and I looked at my notes, and I was like, these people just not like pay attention or are they just mad at me for something else and so they're like well we're gonna go after him for calvinism too we'll tack that on because that's that's a yeah that you know that's slam dunk you know yeah you know i've seen and i've been disappointed by the some people that have been platformed even by people that you know we really like Mm. because they have big churches or whatnot Mm. i'll get on i'll do the test on them and it's like you know you got the bases loaded and uh here it comes, yeah. you know, and you lay a button down. <laughs> like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. Hit that sucker into the upper deck. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Preach what it says. Right. But if you kind of go around it and, you know, I'm worried, you know, I might get fired. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You may fool everybody else, yeah. but um, you're not going to fool God. Right. Just say what's there. Mm-hmm. Don't apologize for God. Yeah. If he wanted it to be a, a little bunt, he'd have made it a bunt. All right. Well, there's two other places that we have to get to before we before we <clears throat> wrap it up, and and they're both in John. We've got to go to John. Dude, we, got, right. we have to go to John six. Do we need to take a uh, an intermission? <laughs> I don't know. Because it need, might be an hour do long. Do you need us? <laughs> <clears throat> we've got to do John I, six. I think we can do we John got, six. And we've got to do. We have to do John ten. For sure. The, those two. Are uh, they're they're just like First Corinthians chapter one. I mean, Paul is not 
Paul's not getting this out of thin air. This is not just Paul's theology. This is Jesus's theology. This is the the theology of the apostles. Right. Um, they're they're in unison on sovereign grace that mm-hmm. God is the one that has to do this this work and it's effectual. And right. so John chapter six, we've got Jesus. He's just um, he's performed the the miracle, of the feeding of the five thousand. Um, he walks on water. He leaves because they all want to make him king. Yeah, that, <laughs> he's like, I got to get out of here. They're trying to make me king by force. They're looking for him the next day. They know he didn't get on the boat with the disciples. He's not here. So they go around and he's already there. Master, when did you get here? Right. <laughs> right. Um, and he tells them, you're looking for, you're looking for another mill. You're not, you're not looking for, you're not looking for, um, you're not looking for me. You're looking for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and so Jesus starts talking to them about, I'm the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, the first thing they ask him uh, as it begins, um, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you feel you're full of loaves. Mm-hmm. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, mm-hmm. which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then here's what they say to, to, to them. This is how we know we are talking about in this passage saving faith. Right. They say, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Right. That's what starts it. So they're seeing salvation still in this transactual. Uh-huh. Right. I do works. I do good things. God responds, and I'm saved. Right. Jesus' answer is very interesting. Not, and he's not saying you must do works. He's still right. using their type of a, their type of language. Uh-huh. Um, Jesus <clears throat> answered them, "This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent." Mm-hmm. So. Not that faith is a work, but he is saying this is all God requires. Right. And it's the work you just preached on Abraham. So mm-hmm. go back and listen to that. Um, Abraham believed God and it was accounted him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And that one who Abraham believed upon is right there. Right. And he's telling them the same thing. Mm-hmm. This is the work of God that you believe on me. Right. I'm here. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about that. Now, they go back and forth about, you know, true bread from heaven, I'm true bread from heaven. Then comes the big invitation in 36, to which no one is responding. Mm. That's the key, the key thing to remember. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Does Jesus just like super depressed? Like, oh, maybe I'm not a good preacher. Um, What's Jesus' explanation as to why people are not coming to him in saving faith? And the explanation is found in 37. Mm-hmm. All the Father gives to me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All the people that the Father gives to the Son come. Right. That's his explanation. And so he's not worried about people not responding. And he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So they start grumbling. Because, <laughs> see, this, is, this teaching is grating against their their fallen human nature, because this is God-centered. 
They're looking for a work to do. And Jesus is telling them, I don't have a work for you to do. I just have you, all I have for you is just believe and and you will have saving faith. That's saving faith. But you have to be given to me by the Father. Yeah. And people don't like that. They yeah. prefer to do a work. Um, and he even quotes um, Isaiah 54, mm-hmm. um, which is a new covenant passage. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know this. Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53. Yeah. Uh, you got the suffering servant, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and based on his work, people are going to come to him. Yep. And so Jesus says, it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Uh-huh. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Yep. That's Jesus's commentary on Isaiah 54, um, 13. That's right. I remember uh, when I first learned that, it blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- if this is not a factual call, then I maybe I should become a, a woodworker. A woodworker. Maybe I should become a ping pong ball player. Well, he set the passage up you just read. I want you to explain it again, because I think we went too, through fast. Explain it again. But 44 starts it, mm-hmm. a negative. No one can come. Right. Unless the Father who sent me draws him, we've got we've got these verses. He says he says the same thing in in different ways, mm-hmm. but it's he says it three times throughout this mm-hmm. this discussion with them. Verse thirty seven: All that the Father gives to me will come to me, um, and then they'll all be raised up on the last. And they'll day. all be raised up on the last day. Yeah. So that he's not he's not saying there's going to be a, there's a general gospel call. And everybody comes to me, uh-huh. and then some of them reject me, and some of them don't. He says, "All that that the Father gives to me will come to me, and I'll raise them up on the last day." This is eternal life; it's glorification. Uh-huh. Um, he says he says it in a different way in verse forty four. No one can come to me. Can that's ability. Yep, it's the word for ability. No one universal negative can has the ability to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Yep, um, and that word draw it's used as um, it's it's a really um, it's kind of a violent term. Uh-huh. It's it's uh, it's like drag. It's mm-hmm. it's used in. It's used in James to talk about how the rich people drag the poor people in the court. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and then he says it again in um, verse sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a lot of the people who claim to be his disciples leave, he says, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father." Right. He, he says it. He says it several ways um, throughout this yeah. this discourse. Uh, but he says, "No one can come to me." Verse forty-four, unless the Father uh, who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written of the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a new covenant. Yeah, I mean that that sounds just like Jeremiah thirty-one. Oh yeah, it sounds just like Jeremiah thirty-one. Mm-hmm. That that you won't have to tell your you won't have to teach your neighbor know the Lord because they will all know me from the taught. least of them to the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, they will all be taught by God. And then Jesus's commentary on it, They're his explanation. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father, taught by God, comes to me. Mm-hmm. Not might come to me. Will. Comes to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a definite statement. Everyone who hears and learns from God comes to Jesus. Right. And then, of course, he continues teaching about, um, if unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, 
He's not, of course, speaking about cannibalism. As you need bread to live, you need Jesus. You need to, you need to be unified with him. Right. You need to receive him, appropriate him to live eternally. Mm. And, but I love, I love the explanation to the disciples that begins in verse 60 of John chapter 6. Mm-hmm. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So <laughs> right. here's the question. Well, I, lo- I love verse 59. Uh-huh. He, after he after he's he said, "You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood." Then John John like kind of drops like this little verse in here to I, I don't know. It's like shock factor. Uh-huh. He was saying this in their synagogue. <laughs> like he's in the synagogue <laughs> on the Sabbath teaching them this, <laughs> talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Uh-huh. Like if you're not shocked enough, here's the location. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then verse 60, this is a hard saying. Yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah. yeah. Right. Who can listen to it? Right. (laughs) But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Yeah. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Amazing. I mean, d- it is a hard saying. It is a hard saying for the natural man. He's uh, not going to receive it. Jesus's confidence is not in. Well, maybe I'll just dumb it down for you guys. Maybe I'll make it a little bit easier. Right. His, his confidence is that everyone that uh, the Father gives to him will come to him, uh-huh. and they'll receive this difficult teaching. Yeah, I just find it absolutely amazing with verses like that. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Right. That people would develop an entire theology based around your flesh helping you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> Jesus didn't really mean it, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And then we've got, of course, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Yep. Um, Jesus is talking about, uh, he's teaching about him being the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does the good shepherd do? Lays down his life for the sheep. Uh-huh. He knows them by name. He right. calls them. Yeah. <laughs> they come and follow him. He calls them. Yeah, he calls them. Um, um, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name mm-hmm. and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, it's, there's the same same word, right? His own, his own. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Yeah. It's been absolutely amazing to me to see some of the people that have been uh, saved and God has sent to our church. Um, one young lady just got a Bible out as an adult that someone gave her many years ago, raised in like a spiritist home, mm-hmm. not around Christians at all. Yeah. <clears throat> Reads the Bible, becomes a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, so like, where'd you hear the gospel? <clears throat> just in the Bible. And then finds a church on her own. You're going to put us out of a job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> because in the pages of the Bible, this is shepherd's voice yeah. calling out his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. Verse, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a factual call. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know how else you can explain it. Jesus has sheep 
that his father has given to him. They're mm-hmm. his people. He calls them, and they follow him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just a couple weeks ago, they're not. They're not his. And again, we have to make it really clear: they're not his sheep because they follow him. They follow him because they're because, his sheep. Because they're his. Yeah. And he 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 says the he flips it around on the the religious leaders when they're pestering him. How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the if you're the Messiah, tell us. And he says, I I have told you, and you don't believe. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was preaching on the uh, the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, the prodigal son, and I was just struck by how the the diligence of the shepherd to actively go and to hunt down his sheep, mm-hmm. like on a seeking uh, a rescue mission. Yeah. Like a, you know, like these uh, pararescue rescuers that jump into the wilderness and save people on these cliffs. Yeah. That's him mm-hmm. seeking for his sheep. And then when he finds them, he picks them up, puts them on his shoulder, and he's rejoicing as I could see him, you know, like singing as he comes back, having found one of his sheep. Yeah. And all heaven rejoices. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus doesn't leave his sheep. Right. He'll find them, and and he'll use any means necessary mm-hmm. to get the gospel to them, yep. and bring them to salvation. Yep. Effectual call. Yeah. So, you want to shut down? I know you love it. So sure, that's, I, I, that's my gift to you, George. <laughs> well, I hope that this has been encouraging for you because this is an encouraging doctrine. Uh, This should give us confidence as we um, go and share the gospel with people that Jesus has a people that he has died to redeem and they will come to him. They will come to him. We have to be faithful to go and bring the gospel to them. So I hope that this will encourage you to go and tell. Um, If this has been a beneficial podcast for you, make sure that you like subscribe share get uh, get this in front of uh, more and more people and uh, stay uh, up to date on the podcast and uh, we hope again that this helps you to know more about who christ is and that you will be conformed to him and we will see you next time